0: Shut up and sit down.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Superhero Movie Club, a community of superhero movie fans. All nerds welcome, but please wipe your feet at the door. I'm your cultured host Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro James Schuyler Houtzma and the scientific scholar.
2: Ben Anderson,
1: and a very warm welcome to a very special guest we have in the proverbial studio today.
2: Twitter Tom, what's Twitter up? Twitter
1: Tom, Twitter Tom is here. Oh, how are you, Twitter Tom?
2: I'm great. How are you guys? Pretty fabulous.
1: Yeah, it's so much better when you're here. <laughs> All right. In case people don't know, Twitter Tom is our number one fan. I think that is irrefutable. And we're be so glad to have him on the show today, where, uh, Ben, pick us up.
2: (laughs) All right, SHMC is your premier movie discussion podcast. Each week, we continue our journey exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie.
3: Whether it's money, comic books, music, or science, SHMC talks about it all in this week's episode, The Incredible Hulk.
1: I've
0: got a problem.
2: There are aspects
1: of my personality that I can't control. See a shrink? It's a little bit more complicated than that. Bruce, trust me when
2: I tell you I've heard them all. Not this one. never seen anything even close to your levels of exposure that you survived an event like that it's beyond my comprehension i don't want to control it i want to get rid of it as far as i'm concerned that man's whole body is property of the u.s army
1: they want it as a weapon if we let it go we will never get it back There's only one thing that can fight that it's in me maybe if i can control it i can use it And yes, there will be spoilers. Okay, so the Incredible Hulk, not the Ang Lee Hulk, the L- L- Louis v- Louis Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. <laughs> what has that guy been doing nowadays?
2: Uh, designing handbags.
1: <laughs> it's not no. Okay, what's his actual name? Is it Louis Vuitton?
2: No.
0: Look here. I don't know how you pronounce it.
1: Louis Anderson. <laughs> Louis Viterier. Uh we'll just say that he's French, right? Yeah. Okay. I believe so. Uh, we're gonna go with first opinions, and we're gonna start with Ben.
2: Oh, I start. Wow. Okay. Uh, I liked it mostly in that it was it was very much a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie because it was fun, but ultimately just a little shallow and pointless. But you know. It was fun. So whatever.
3: Uh, yeah, I definitely agree that uh, Incredible Hulk was fun. I think it's about the best you're gonna get out of a standalone Hulk movie, uh, due to the fact that I find it more balanced than the first one. In that they like, worked in aspects of the Hulk we know as the you know big raging monster, monster action stuff, and also the uh, the man on the run. Too, that became popular in the 70s. Big slowdown point just after the halfway mark in the movie. Effects looked dated even the moment the movie came out. But uh, on the whole, I look back at this fondly, especially among the Marvel movies
1: as a whole. All right. And what did you think, Twitter Tom?
0: Um, I liked it. And a lot of people I know weren't a fan of it, but I... I liked I don't know if it's the nostalgia value. I took my dad there to see it. Um so that was kinda cool, but I just rewatched it before this podcast and yeah, like Skylar said, it's a f it's a fun movie. It's uh uh I enjoy it. It's about like you said, the best you can get for a Hulk movie. You know you're going in to watch a big green guy beat up a big brown guy. And <laughs> I mean you can't ask for much better than that. I mean it it was I, I thought it was solid and I thought it was one of the better Marvel movies.
1: All right. What I what I really like about The Incredible Hulk is how much you can, you know, see how much it's influenced by Ang Lee's Hulk and that it's sort of this weird trend when movie like superhero movies just started like becoming reactionary where after after Superman returns, you you were like you needed to have a Man of Steel movie. After Ang Lee's Hulk, where you know it was very somber, very long, melodramatic, emotional, not a whole lot of action, and the action was very incoherent, you had to have a straight-up blockbuster. Hulk is punching a force; he's not punching a cloud. He's 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 taken down this Russian guy who is. We've given very little backstory. It's got like almost an identical structure to Ant Man. Um, <laughs>
2: Except it's better than Ant-Man.
1: And, arguable. No
2: mutant toodles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> our, our, yeah, and there's no... He doesn't fight stupid mutant dogs. And it is really just like a very forgotten Marvel movie. Like, we when you... People don't really put it in the MCU, even though everything happened, because they never really talk about it. We might get to hear about it again when they... Well, uh when... It, in future movies, we'll talk about that later, but... Incredible Hulk is just a a solid brick-and-mortar action film. I use the term brick-and-mortar incorrectly so much. And, you know, it's just a lot of fun if you like like that kind of action, that fantasy guy gets mad, punches stuff. It's really cool.
2: It's Um, a competently executed superhero movie.
1: That is a correct formation of words. (laughs) And so we're going to move right on then to money. Go ahead, Skyler.
3: Yeah, you're saying this uh, movie was kind of one of the forgotten films of the MCU. Maybe that's something to do with this next uh, category. So, production budget, $150 million baseline normal all that stuff. Brought in 134.8 million, so just under its budget. Elsewhere in the world it added 128.6 million for a grand total of 263.4. That's not
1: good for 2008.
3: Uh, not for 2008. It released middle of July, a uh, couple of weeks after Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, about a month before The Dark Knight. So it had a window as far as you know big superhero tenth po- polls go, but uh,
1: didn't super perform, especially when compared to uh, Iron Man that year. Well, w- when you're looking at Hulk from just like the financial point is... Now Marvel Studios is established. Everybody knows when the next Marvel movie is coming out. Anybody who's looking, it's really easy to find. And if you're not looking, it's kind of in your face. What Hulk, the only prerequisite The Incredible Hulk had was Ang Lee's Hulk movie. And that, and people didn't know that it, like, there was no real, a lot of talk that it was going to be completely different. You got a sense of it in the trailers. So, this movie was fighting an uphill battle, and Iron Man had just started to establish the m c u and it wasn't until like Iron Man two captain well I'd say probably Thor that you were like, "Oh this is a these guys are getting a really solid set of movies in had this movie come out with the kind of knowledge
3: of Marvel that's out there now that definitely would have boosted it up but upon release, it just had itself to uh promote essentially
2: i just wanted to add um i definitely did not see this in theaters because i remembered the 2003 hulk movie and then i watched it on dvd like six months after it came out and i was like oh i should have seen this earlier
1: but the 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 disappointing factor is it is still the lowest grossing marvel studios film to come out ever right
3: is still yes um Probably the closest one to come to it, ironically, since you mentioned it earlier, was Ant-Man. And uh, as of where it sits right now, it's still made just about the same money as the first Hulk movie. So not a super success, not a failure, but... Uh, yeah, um,
1: do you know how far it is behind the next movie in the MCU? Skyler finds his... Ant-Man
0: made $170 million. Yep. Was that the closest one that Hulk's been to, is Ant-Man?
1: So far, yeah. Oh what about worldwide?
3: Uh, worldwide it's about a hundred million away. so yeah Ant-Man's sitting at about 360 something. so that whole Marvel stamp kind of helped out worldwide, but um, still. Um,
1: so next up, comic book section. As far as I can tell, the plot of this movie is not based on any specific Hulk story besides maybe uh, the origin story of abomination. But comic books that came out in like the, the, the Silver Age were, were their, their style was very campy. so it's, this, this film was not campy, so like, it's very much more developed and modernized. It's, it's really just another um, it's, a, it's an adaptation of different Hulk stories. But some characters that have made their premiere in this movie include the character of Jim Wilson made in 1970 by Roy Thomas and Herb Trimp and he is originally a supporting character for the Hulk in his very early days before he went away for a while, and then they brought the character back with AIDS that he then died from. But Jim Wilson is in the movie for maybe three, five seconds. He's being interviewed at the campus, and then, ooh, she's gone. And in case you're wondering, he is the nephew of Sam Wilson, the Falcon. So it's possible they could draw from that in the future, Highly doubtful. I don't know who the heck would actor played this character because, uh, again, he was barely on screen. So next up, who got a little bit more airtime, was Doc Sampson character played by Ty Burrell of Modern Family fame. And Doc Sampson was made in 1971 by Roy Thomas and Herb Trim, and he is a long-running side character of the Hulk. He was born Dr. Leonard Skivorsky and then called Samson because of his long hair. He was originally a womanizer And he was also Bruce Banner's psychologist or psychiatrist and he had like temporarily cured the Hulk until he hit on Betty Ross in front of Bruce Banner to which turned Banner back into the Hulk and then made Doc Samson go, crap, I messed up. I'm going to be guilty about this forever. (laughs) That is how they became friends, colleagues and while he was treating the Hulk, he, he exposed himself to some siphoned gamma radiation, which gave him green hair, and the longer his hair is, the more proportionate it is to how strong he can become, and that's his, his sort of comic book superpower thing, besides being a very trained psychiatrist, and that's all really Doc, Doc Samson is. He's kind of a fun—he's got a ridiculously weird like Flash Gordon costume, too. Marvel's Rapunzel— yeah, he is very much Rapunzel. <laughs> Doc Sampson, Doc Sampson, send down your hair. And then break... Let a down your hair. Uh, next up is The Leader. And this was played by Tim Blake Nelson, who was going by the alias of Doctor Mr. Blue in the movie. And The Leader was made in 1964 by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. And he was a menial worker at a chemical plant until oh no, a happenstance of some tanks exploding which exposed him to gamma radiation and then gave him a very large head, green skin, and a pencil mustache, and he looks a lot like DC Sinestro but with different colored skin. And this sort of made him, the theory was to make a character as smart as the Hulk is strong, and he's sort of, he's been a long running arch nemesis of the Hulk, except I don't get how the leader is able to not make a plan that can't be foiled by the Hulk. He is so much smarter than this guy. But every time, all of his plans fall apart because the Hulk punches something.
2: Just just borrow the, the Hulk tank that we see in Avengers.
1: Contingency plans. Seriously. You have yeah. to deal with one guy who you can outsmart with a part of your brain, and this dude still manages to foil you. He's a... I don't... He's a really cool comic book character, and nowadays he's been depowered and repowered as Red Leader, so he's exposed to red gamma radiation, which is different. He, also,
2: he also led the Rebel Assault on the Death Star. <laughs> what?
1: Red, <laughs> oh, Leader? Yes. red Leader? Red Leader, Red Leader. Wasn't that Red Leader 2? Hortons reporting in. <laughs> Brown Leader Copy. 2.
2: Copy Gold Leader.
1: And finally, the last character who's made their appearance is Abomination. The big, big baddie of this movie was premiered in 1967 by Stan Lee and Gil Kane, who you may remember as creating almost all of the Silver Age Green Lantern stuff. And the the story behind Abomination is Stan Lee told told Gil to make a baddie who's just bigger than the Hulk, and we're going to have fun with that character. That's all he wanted. So he made this KGB spy named Emil Blonsky who wanted to be strong because he's seen how strong the Hulk can be. So he exposes himself to a ton of gamma radiation and then becomes Abomination. And this character has been through like a lot of different writers. And he's gone from like this bumbling brute to a tactical schemer to a tortured soul. It's really hard to pinpoint which Abomination is like your favorite because he's depicted so many different ways in not only the comic books but in television and movies because he's sort of like the tactical schemer who went a little insane in the movie. But in television, he's very much a bumbling brute. And in the comics, he's more of a tortured soul. So he's a very diverse character. And in case you're wondering, um, the way he can beat up Hulk is the comic's explains that his strength is initially twice the strength of the Hulk, but it doesn't fluctuate, whereas the Hulk, the angrier he gets, the stronger he gets. So therefore, if Hulk fights him long enough, he's able to beat him. Just a little water cooler tip to send to the pals in case they ever wondered after watching Incredible Hulk, well, what makes this guy even a contender
3: it's really reassuring to know that stanley in creating this character was just like no i don't really want to do anything complex i just want a bigger batter hulk (laughs) and movie studios have been eating up that villain archetype for the films ever since oh yeah
1: and i want to mention that the character emil blonsky still exists in the mcu if you watch Shield there have been multiple passings of just like I'm going to put you into I'm going to put you in a cell next to Blonsky I'm going to have you guarding Blonsky's cell so like Tim Roth is still part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe crew I don't know if they're ever going to bring Abomination back because they just don't mention the Incredible Hulk ever <laughs> Yeah hopefully that'll change Next up, we have Skylar with the music. Oh,
3: right. Uh, Craig Armstrong did the music to Incredible Hulk. Uh, Not a composer you hear a whole lot from because he doesn't take a whole lot of projects, but he's behind scores like the most recent Great Gatsby, uh, Elizabeth, the Golden Age, Moulin Rouge, and in fact, this is kind of not something he's really known for, which is astonishing because... Confession time. I think this is the best superhero score of 2008.
1: <laughs> it's of, only got a of 2008. <laughs> <Of> <laughs> 2008. Better than Dark Knight. Better than Dark Knight. Oh, Surprising. hold on. Surprisingly. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, give just us our, for a can, minute. can we get our first example then, just sure. so we can gather our thoughts here? Let's start it off with uh, main titles,
3: uh, main theme of the movie that kind of does all the legwork for the backstory of the film.
1: All right, listening to that, that's like, that was actually kind of a really cool psychological sound. The thing about this
3: score, I think, there's just so many great themes. It brings out this kind of raw power of, you know, you imagine when you think of the Hulk throughout its orchestral sounds, and there are just so many parts of the film that are just made so much better because of the music of the film. Going back to the Dark Knight question, I love that score too, but so much of it you can hear in the Batman Begins soundtrack. So if you were to compare these two, there's more new stuff here to be like, oh wow, this sounds really awesome. Let's get another example of that in uh, Favela Escape.
1: songs sound like they could go in the Pacific Rim soundtrack.
2: Uh, and it's pronounced Favela. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Favela. Thank
1: you. <laughs> what is? Do you, what know, you what know what Favela is?
2: Uh, I don't think it has a direct translation, but it's used to refer to slums in especially like big cities in Brazil.
1: Oh, okay. So the scene where he was in Brazil and running away. Got it. But I like how at the end of that clip, a tuba comes in and it's vump. Vroomp, and it's kind of like, you kind of picture the Hulk stepping. You know what I'm saying? Yep. There is this kind of
3: waddle, waddle sound that comes out throughout the soundtrack. And that's a good kind of foreshadowing of when that happens. You know you're in for a $20 million action scene. <laughs> Slightly later in the movie, that is the target during the first uh, appearance of the Hulk in the bottling factory. And this is one of my favorites, so Yay!
1: Okay, that track was awesome.
3: That's some dope stuff. Whenever you hear the you know, good job Craig Armstrong.
1: Yeah, you is did. that guy what's 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 his next project? Is he is he going to do more more superhero stuff at all? I don't think so. I know he was originally he likes to work with Louis Leterrier and he was
3: originally going to do uh the Clash of the Titans remake a couple of years after this. But he wisely jumped ship on that, and it was actually uh, brought up by uh, Iron Man's rumming jowity, So, oh, yeah, okay. it, his most recent uh, project was uh, Far from the Madding Crowd. So it's more in line with his smaller dramatic efforts. And I honestly don't know what's coming up next. So now, obviously, the music we're showcasing here—big, overbearing Hulk sound—that makes the soundtrack so. Addicting, But it's definitely worth the sh- call out to some of the uh, quieter moments of the tunes because uh, tracks like Bruce Can't Stay also kind of bring a humanity to the whole thing where it could all just be a big monster mash. So let's take a listen.
1: That reminds me a lot of the uh, the old Hulk theme song from the TV show, The Lonely Man.
3: Funny you should say that. I didn't include it in, on the roster today, but they did actually use that theme early in the movie when uh, Banner is going from Brazil back to America, and he's stopping off in some uh, Mexican <laughs> town. He's hitchhiking, because that's how they yep.
1: do it at the end of every episode. Is He's exactly. just walking down the road. Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> So yeah, go dig that uh,
3: track up again when you have the chance. I want to revise my earlier statement. Uh, Just listening to these tracks, this isn't just, I think, the best uh, score of 2008 for superhero films. I think it's still the best MCU
1: score to date.
0: Oh, yeah, it's definitely the best MCU score, I think.
1: Really? Because I am a big fan of Iron Man 3s. Iron Man 3 is good,
3: but I think this consistently just nails it in a way that batting average, Iron Man 3 doesn't quite get there, but...
0: The thing with the the Hulk movie, though, I always find after watching it, I'm like humming that theme song, that do-do-do-do-do-do, you know? I'm always humming it, and it's like it just gets stuck in your head. And I don't know, that's what I like about it the best.
3: All right, let's send it out on a high note with Harlem Brawl.
1: I'm sold. This playlist is going on um, my Spotify as in my Get Shit Done music. No kidding. Funny enough, I believe this is the
3: one of very few uh, soundtracks these days where you can get basically all the music. Because it's in a two-disc set. Go track it down because I love this soundtrack. It's so good.
1: All right. So we're going to move right on into the science section. Hey, Ben. Hey. How you doing over there?
2: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: That's good. So, Ben, let's, let's please, can we just start with the big, obvious Hulk science question in... What is the difference between the comic book version of gamma radiation and real-life gamma radiation?
2: Okay, so in Marvel Comics and the Marvel Comic Movies... Gamma radiation seems to just be everywhere. And in fact, real gamma radiation, it's just a a name for extremely high energy, short wavelength photons. So they're like x-rays, but even more further out on the electromagnetic spectrum. They're usually produced during nuclear reactions or from astronomical sources, which of, of course are also nuclear reactions. So supernova... Pulsars, stuff like that. Interestingly, they are produced also in thunderstorms here on Earth.
1: Was that a big thing before we we started testing the atomic bomb, or is that sort of have they always been like that?
2: I mean, they've always been around. We just haven't always taken an interest in them. Okay. Yeah. So they are they are um, what's called ionizing radiation, which means that uh, they carry enough energy. To basically just break apart molecules in your body
1: the way I, the way I like think of it because I, I actually took a class on this and it was tried and it, to, please correct me if I'm wrong, but is that there are these these an ionized atom you know comes at you and it, and it's charged, and it has more electrons than it should or fewer or fewer, and so what it does is it, 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 it goes through you cuz it's uh, um it's very tiny and it you you absorb it and it pushes out and it replaces like one of your atoms but it also like changes its structure so it pushes out an electron so that's where you get like deterioration yeah. like cancer.
2: Yeah, yeah, so i an ionizing radiation this high energy photon comes in hits one of your one of the molecules in your cells and basically knocks off an electron which ionizes that molecule and makes it behave differently. And that's why uh, exposure to radiation causes cancer, because it damages the DNA in your cells, and then they don't uh, replicate properly.
1: Now, let me tell you how Stan Lee wanted to describe gamma radiation. And it was originally supposed to be this, like this stupid thing, this energy... That he, of course, he didn't know anything about. He did. He just thought it sounded cool because he's a creative artist, and it was. They were trying to develop this bomb that would destroy buildings but wouldn't harm people, if I remember correctly. And of course, wouldn't
2: the people be harmed when the building collapsed and then they fell 20 feet?
1: That too, but I mean, like you could. But if you warn someone, you can tell them. Um, you can tell people to like get out of buildings much faster than you can get out of a blast radius. Um. (sighs) It's okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. I
2: don't see why you couldn't just evacuate the building anyway and then blow it up with dynamite,
1: um, which would well, be
2: like, like okay, none of this makes sense, but that's okay. Go on.
1: It was it was an answer to like the nuclear bomb leaving a lot of radiation and gamma wouldn't leave radiation, and that's bullcrap because the comics have developed it so that it definitely does. Um, it's <laughs> been very closely attributed to nuclear bombs, but in a way that like. It's just, it's much less discovered in the comic book world, and it affects bodies differently by giving you superpowers or unlocking characteristics about yourself, because in the comic books, everybody was trying to achieve something when they got exposed to gamer radiation. Bruce had this hidden anger from seeing his, his mother die in front of him by his father. The leader had this tremendous resentment for not being as smart as his older brother, and Abomination had this resentment for not being as strong as the Hulk. So it's sort of was supposed to be the sort of unlocking force. But in real life, it just gives you cancer. Stay away from it.
2: It, it, doesn't, it doesn't just give you cancer. It actually has a lot of uh, good applications. Gamma rays are actually very similar to x-rays in a lot of ways. The, the range of, of wavelengths of light that we call x-rays and gamma rays overlap a little bit. So what we use gamma rays for are, like, in medicine. So if you want to do an X-ray, you could use do, like, a gamma ray scan. And and also, like, if you want to use radiation to kill cancer cells, you, you would target it with extra gamma rays. Airport security, because they pass through a lot of stuff, you can use it to see into, you know, like a, a thick suitcase. Um, and obviously they're used a lot in physics research as well.
1: All right. So... So let's move on. Not all bad. Good. Good to hear. So let's move on to the next topic then of, uh, uh, you want to talk about those sound cannons that were used in the movie?
2: Those sound cannons. Yeah. So they, they use these sound cannons to trap the Hulk. And we kind of touched on this. We kind of touched on this in X-Men first class where you have sound that sound is like a pressure, like a change in pressure in the air. And so if you do it really carefully, you can get really intense shockwaves that can, isolate and levitate particles. Um, so the, the sound cannons in in uh, The Incredible Hulk kind of operate under the same principle. In real life, if you wanted to do this, you'd have to be in a carefully controlled laboratory because sound is difficult to deal with.
1: And yeah. I just have a, have a question for you in that I want to know how much of the Hulk's figure can... Can a person achieve in that, like, is there a way that when you get angrier, you get stronger as a person?
2: Um, again, I'm not a doctor, so any like anything I say about biology or medicine is probably just going to be completely wrong. But intense anger is usually uh, accompanied with the release of certain chemicals in your brain, uh, which I'm guessing include testosterone and or adrenaline. Which definitely like can make you uh, yeah <laughs> a
1: little a little bit stronger. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Like if if you if you have adrenaline going through you, you can like do athletic feats that you wouldn't otherwise because you're getting chased by a bear and don't want to die.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, I think you know we've all been told stories of like oh um, someone was trapped under a car or. Some mom's kid was whatever, and the adrenaline started going, and it gave him like, a little spurt of strength that they wouldn't normally have. Yeah. How stretched that is, I don't know, but it's probably not to the point of your cellular structure just doubling in size.
2: Yeah, no, that's not. Or your skin turning green. <laughs> yeah, that too. Ho- hopefully not.
1: <laughs> or, or gray in some cases. Ooh, oh, I've oh, seen oh, it happen red, too, although it might actually turn red. And don't forget, A-bomb was blue. They have all the different colors of hulks. <laughs> I don't think there's a purple one yet, but fingers crossed.
2: Oh, no, I think there is, because um, when I was in band, we, we took a, a band trip to St. Louis, and we toured the St. Louis Rams training facility. And I forget who it was, but at the time they were like the number one um, offensive linemen in the league, and they had a collection of Hulk action figures, and, but they were like they were like posed so that they appeared to be engaging in various lewd sexual acts, and, and one of them was purple. So, I, I like,
1: so much context to get to just you know, I've seen a purple Hulk.
2: I saw a, I saw a purple Hulk action figure. So, a purple Hulk whose name was Barney. <laughs> oh, <God.
1: laughs> oh, so good! Any more signs you want to talk about, Ben?
2: Uh, not really. I had fun with this one, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot to talk about. Just you know, gamma, radi- gamma uh, is a really cool thing. But we really just need to stress that that the comic books are way different in their description, as well I as th- it, I- its abilities and everything.
2: I think it was Avengers. Maybe, where I like started complaining about like how the movie's depiction of gamma radiation was completely wrong and you cut that segment because you're like, actually, you know, comic book gamma radiation is completely different from real life gamma rays. And since you don't know better, we're gonna just gonna deal with that in the Incredible Hulk.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I probably did that. Alright, so we're gonna go to Twitter Tom Segment. Fun facts.
0: You guys ready?
1: I was born ready.
0: <laughs> All right. I guess uh, I learned this today that the director, Louis Leterrier, actually was pushing for Mark Ruffalo to be the Hulk. But Marvel insisted that it was Ed Norton, which I thought was kind of ironic.
1: Obviously. I was just about to say, that's really ironic considering the falling out. <laughs>
0: right. Right. And uh, – yeah, and then now, now you can't picture the Hulk without Ruffalo, in my opinion. So I thought I that know. was kind I've of... I've got
1: some lingering feelings for Eric Bana. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was so good. Said no one ever. Um, <laughs> 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 um, also, there is an alternate, alternate beginning, an alternate opening segment on the DVD that uh, actually has uh, another reference to the MCU. Is that uh, the? Um, Edward Norton is walking on, you see this big arctic cliff, and he's contemplating suicide, and you see him with the gun, and uh, he references this in the Avengers, when he says he puts a gun in his mouth and he says the other guy spit the bullet out. Well, in the alternate opening, he hawks out and you see this avalanche come, and if you freeze frame it, you can supposedly see Captain America in ice. So I thought that was a, nice, uh, neat, little, a neat little Easter egg. Uh,
1: um, how many of you have actually done this? Raise your hand. Oh, I just spend the whole time
0: right before this podcast. <laughs> and you can kind of see. You it's can sh- kind of see an outline. Yeah, it's like a shadow. A stretch, but mm-hmm. it's like somebody put that in there for a reason. Um, mm-hmm.
1: it wasn't but, uh, just a caveman,
0: right? <laughs> I got you know Lou Ferrigno was the security guard when he's delivering pizzas. Uh, that's a classic. He was the Hulk in the original TV show.
1: Well, Lou Ferrigno uh, has been involved in I think almost every single Hulk project since 1970.
0: Well, I guess he was he was in 2003 Hulk, wasn't he? He was another security guard. He was walking out with Stan Lee.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: thinking about it, yeah.
1: He also vo- he also does voiceovers for the Hulk in the Avengers movies.
0: Yeah, along with uh, uh, this movie, my, that was my next one. He uh, he voices the Hulk in this movie.
1: That's crazy. Uh, he, like,
0: has, like, Eight eight words, I think. Hulk smash being two of them, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he also yeah he also voiced the Hulk in this. And another another one was that Ed Norton also helped write the screenplay. And depending on your sources, uh, uh Tim Ross, the guy who played uh, Emil Blonsky, said that he was rewriting the script every day. Working on the Bruce Banner's backstory and all this stuff, and uh, Marvel did not give him a screenwriting credit. It All went to Zach Penn, and I think um, Ed Norton didn't even promote this movie because he was so pissed about not getting any credit for all the rewrites he helped do.
1: Yeah, there's a uh, yeah, there's a long-standing stuff about Ed, Ed Norton and Marvel. It's fun to read about actually.
0: Yeah, he's uh, and it's, I, this isn't the first movie where he's clashed with you know, the uh, upper upper level of, you know, the movie-making business. Yeah, Kevin Feige, the the guy said he was a dick, and, like, he (laughs) didn't have... (laughs) I don't know if I can cuss on this or not, but he, uh, like, the creative control, like... A lot of people blame Feige, but I think it came from the people above Feige, who said, you know, you have to have this in the movie.
1: Mm -hmm. Bring Bring a quick point in that it's ironic to see Edward Norton's character in Birdman... Because you kind of get a sense that he's playing himself. And if you've ever seen yes. that movie, he constantly clashes with Michael Keaton, who's the creative front of the movie and of the of the play, whatever. It's just you got to see that movie, and you realize, like, man, is that how Edward Norton? It kind of feels like he's he's a really natural in this role. He's kind of he's a little bit too comfortable.
0: <laughs> Another, uh, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but back to what you said about Mr. Blue and Mr. Green, it's ironic that Tim Roth was Mr. Orange in Reservoir Dogs. So <laughs> I don't know if that was a little, if that was a little <laughs> nod to that or, or what. Um, uh, also, if you watch Iron Man 2, you can see in the background they're playing the news footage from that attack at the college campus. So that leads me to believe that this took place like during Iron Man 2, or just before. I don't know if Iron Man 2 came out right after this, or yeah, it uh,
1: came out pretty much, yeah, not not too many months after.
0: Yeah, it took me by surprise that you know Iron Man 2 either happened during.
1: Well, the or, MCU know. used to be the MCU used to be a lot more subtle about how they're a connected universe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. now it's really, really now obvious. It's,
2: now it's. It's it's offensive how obvious it is. Like, when Falcon showed up... Uh, we're going to talk about Ant-Man, I think, in a later episode, but when Falcon showed up in Ant-Man, I was mad.
1: <laughs> I was like, that's... Now we
2: have it, Marvel. I I was I was insulted.
1: <laughs> now you we have it. an
2: entire
3: Avengers movie that's dedicated to the fact that this is a connected universe.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, well,
0: that entire Avengers movie was... About the next Avengers movie that's coming out.
1: All right, what's um, your next one?
0: I got yeah when when Liv Tyler hands him the purple sweatpants. A nice reference to the comics where he said he'd he'd take his chances of wearing anything else but that. Uh, Callback to the super soldier serum that they give Blonsky from Captain America.
1: Which that um, they can never reference the super soldier serum enough in Marvel properties.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I agree. Another one that I noticed just watching tonight actually was when he's in that cave and it's thundering and for some reason he starts yelling at the thunder and throws a big rock at it. I don't know if that's a Thor reference. If Thor, if that's anything to do with Thor because she says it's just a little thunder and lightning. I don't know if that was a subtle hint.
1: You're saying, like, the, in his Hulk form, he's, like, a dog, and he just, like, sensed a person up there, and his form of barking is throwing a rock at the cloud.
0: Do you remember that part in the movie? Like, it's just a random scene. They're in this cave, and it's thundering, and he just hulks out and, like, whips a rock up into the sky and just screams, and I just, like... But I don't know at that time they announced that Thor was coming out, so I don't know if that was a hint that that was their next movie.
1: Yeah, I think that was I think we might be digging a bit deeper cuz I think that was just an I'm an angry at the world moment. <laughs> Could also be um, a nice nod to the uh ending of the last Hulk movie. Ugh. Oh yeah, that
3: too.
0: Um and the last one I got was I don't know if it's a really fun fact about the movie but um what you were saying Skyler about it, it's a two disc soundtrack. Craig Armstrong honestly didn't think he, he wasn't that proud of his music, and the the um, producer said, "No, we want the full two disc soundtrack to sell this, and he gave him one disc, thought they were joking, and they're like, "No, we really want all your music. like we love this soundtrack." So I thought that was pretty neat. Um, oh wow uh, yep. so I don't know if you knew that or not, but I, I found that because you're, you're like no other Marvel movie has had a complete two disc I mean every single piece of music's on that CD on those CDs
3: Exactly. It must have been fairly last minute too cuz when I got the CD originally it was a CDR. They literally just took it off like an office computer and had like the green back to it.
1: Oh. No.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that's all I got for fun facts. But yeah, there's I, a lot of subtle hints to the MCU, not not as much as there there are now in the movies.
1: All right. That is wow that is that's some solid stuff you got there Twitter Tom you know I kind of felt like i was I was just like just listening to someone read i like parts of i m d b trivia and you know that's also like a favorite pastime when I can get around to it is just all those little behind the scenes nuggets that we all never noticed, but it just adds so much more to the to the movie once you once you put it all in perspective, especially the tremendous amount of respect I have for this music now, like uh, having taken it apart from the film. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move right on to because of this movie. I know you have some, Tom, so feel free to start us out.
0: The one I thought, uh, because of this movie, uh, Ruffa Hulk was born.
1: <laughs> uh, that's oh. my
0: nickname for Ruffalo's Hulk. <laughs> Ruffa Hulk? Ruffa Hulk.
1: Because because of this movie, we got the character of, of General Thunderbolt Ross in the Marvel Universe, and he was played by William Hurt, and we haven't heard from him since, but he is cast in Marvel Civil War, so we get to get to be excited about that, and that they're finally mentioning Hulk again, or at least not, not so much mentioning it, because they've done that before, but actually bringing a character in, an actor, because... Betty Ross didn't die, Blonsky didn't die, Samuel Stearns presumably didn't die, leader, and neither did General Ross. So all these characters are still out, and the Hulk is still a very high-profile figure because of his involvement in the Avengers. It's actually kind of refreshing that they're not going to retcon
3: all those characters again, because with the firing of Ed Norton, you'd think they would just go and recast every role again, but... It's nice to see that finally they are being like, yes, the Incredible Hulk was a thing. Let's talk well, about this.
1: Well, yeah, and, and it's kind of like when they had to recast uh, Terrence Howard with Don Cheadle. A, uh, a decision no one mourned. All right.
0: Because of this movie, uh, the Hulk still doesn't have another standalone
2: film because <laughs> it's not that big of a moneymaker. Uh, yeah, it's
1: weird because he was such a fan favorite coming out of the first Avengers film.
2: I, I make the joke all the time, but I still kind of stand by it that Avengers is the best Hulk movie.
1: It's very true. It is. Yeah, I'd
2: agree with that.
1: Um and well and they didn't really touch on that character at all, so I wouldn't call it a Hulk movie. But that is when that character shined the brightest because we got to see the most exciting parts of the Hulk. We got the best iteration in context
3: of the movie. And they also finally got to the point where the Hulk didn't look just completely ridiculous.
1: Still pretty ridiculous, but not completely. Uh, because of this movie, we got that whole big set of rumors for a while that Phase 3 of Marvel was supposed to be this sort of World War Hulk setup. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, there was news like that
3: and that they were going to bring in like Guardians of the Galaxy and all that fun stuff.
0: Because the, didn't they plan on, or there's a rumor going around at the end of the Avengers, instead of him falling into the sea, they were going to shoot him in a rocket up to the moon or something like that? I yeah. remember reading that somewhere. Um, and,
1: and then he was just going to go away for a while, and then boom, comes back, new set of movies, World War Hulk, now everybody's got to deal with Mark Ruffalo. Right. But But then Marvel released a statement saying, no, we cast Mark Ruffalo, we didn't cast Mark Ruffalo Hulk. So we want him, we would like as much as the like fans want a Hulk, we want like Ruffalo acting because he's so good at it.
0: Well, and that's what Ruffalo said about Civil War. He said the Hulk's not in it, but we may see Bruce Banner. But now uh-huh. he's saying they they scrapped that because what they're doing with where he's been this whole time during Phase 3 until the next Avengers is the payoff's going to be worth it. So Ooh. Who knows? Someone <laughs> <What>? from Ruffalo.
3: <laughs> oh, they're
1: dangling a carrot in front of us, aren't they?
3: That and there's literally no room for anyone else in Civil War right now. <laughs>
2: <Please. 2. 5>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so true. Alright, does anyone have any other because of this movies? Ben, do you have a um a porn title for us to round us out tonight?
2: I think it can stand on its own. You just change up the casting a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Little title Hulk smashed. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there's no, there's no clever puns I can make with this one, so I think that about does it.
1: All right, so that looks like it'll wrap it up today. Super fans, superhero movie club is recorded and produced by Triop Cop Productions. If you like what you hear, show us your support by rating us on iTunes. It is the best. I mean, I mean, Tom's done it. He was the first to do it before we even did it ourselves. You're welcome. <laughs> we honestly, <laughs> when I first saw that, I thought, oh, did Skyler or Ben make an account called Freeze22? 20- 220 and rate it, and then they're like, no, it's just some actual guy from Ohio.
2: Someone actually <laughs> likes our shit,
1: and we were like, we were only like eight episodes in. Who knows about us? Yeah, it, oh. I
0: honestly couldn't even tell you how I found you guys. I was just doing my nerd searching, and I came across you guys, and then like, I was like, these dudes, like, I could sit around and have a beer with these dudes and talk movies, like, because there's nobody here in this town that likes movies like I do. And uh I agree, Ben right here, buddy. <laughs> Cheers. But
2: uh, <laughs> Cheers.
0: But uh but yeah, like I don't know. It's and I, I look forward to your guys' podcast every week. So
1: Aww. I think you guys
0: do an awesome job.
1: Your your tweets are the 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 most they get me through my life. <laughs> <laughs> Huzzah. They don't get me through the day. They get me through every day. So yeah, please rate us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, and if you want to keep talking about any episode with us, we encourage discussion on our subreddit, com slash r slash superhero movie club. We want to know any fun facts you have on the movie.
3: SHMC also keeps up an active Twitter feed, at SuperMC, so follow us and send us your questions, comments, and suggestions, and we'll use them on the air. So,
1: that'll do today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer, James Skeller-Hutzma. And Ben Anderson. And Twitter time. Yeah! And we hope you all have a super week. Bye, everybody.